Well, our verse, our one another verse this week from Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it urges us to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. I'll say it just once more. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Well, when one of our daughters was a toddler, like most children of that age, she would at times burst into tirades of crying and stamping of feet, etc., if she didn't get her own way, or whether if we denied her something that she really wanted. It was usually an ice cream. Uh, but when she was a little bit older, uh, and possibly a bit more manipulative, she had another tactic. She would just look up at us reproachfully, and she'd say, that wasn't kind. <laughs> Be kind to one another. I, I'm not convinced that giving in to a two-year-old every time they want an ice cream is necessarily the kindest thing to do in the greater scheme of things, but what might this verse mean for us as we unpack it today? And as ever, we need to look at the verse in the context of the rest of the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesians. Now, Paul, in the first three chapters of Ephesians, paints a picture of the immense grace of God, the grace of God who in Christ has enabled us to know God's gift of his love and his forgiveness to us, a gift that we could never earn for ourselves. And the well-known verse that you might recall from this section is Ephesians 2, verse 8. For it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. Then he goes on to say, Paul that is, that because Christ's grace is equally to everyone, then in Christ, the barriers that separate us, different nationalities, tribes, anything that comes between us, they are broken down in Christ. Now, the big divide in Paul's days was between the Jew and the Gentile. And Gentiles were barred from entering the inner courtyards of the temple in Jerusalem. They could go into the outer courtyard, but there was a barrier all round the inner courtyard of the temple itself. And in intervals, there were large stones with inscriptions on them in Greek and in Latin, and Latin was the main Gentile language of the day, that said, no foreigner is to go beyond the balustrade and the piazza of the temple zone. Whoever is caught doing this will have himself to blame for the death which will follow. Now, um, I think there are a few of you here that went on pilgrimage to Israel uh, with us a few years ago. We saw one of those stones in the museum in Jerusalem. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians, gives a vivid illustration of what Christ has done when he says in chapter 2, verse 14, 
Christ has made the two one, Jew and Gentile. He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Paul ends this section of his letter in a prayer for the Ephesians that they could just appreciate more and more the immensity of God's love to them, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. Now, many of you might have noticed that I um, customarily wear a silver cross around my neck. It's, it's hidden under the dog collar today. Um, here it is. But it's a cross, those of you in the front can see, which is, is sort of slightly crooked. And um, it could, with a bit of an imagination, also represent a figure reaching upwards like that. Um, the silversmith friend who made it for me did that deliberately because she wanted it not only to remind me of the love of God shown in Jesus on the cross, but also to remind me of that prayer of Paul's at the end of Ephesians chapter 3 to reach up and grasp at just how vast God's love is. Now, it's against this backdrop that Paul talks about the practicalities of how we should live our lives in relation to one another. And this is the section that our verse comes in. Paul says, if we know God's love to us, then we should endeavor to live in love and unity with each other. No barriers between us, because Christ has destroyed the barrier, the dividing walls between us. And the immediate paragraph before our verse reads like this. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that, that their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption, Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. And then our verse, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Our verse in the modern Bible version, the message reads like this, make a clean break with all cutting, backbiting, profane talk. Be gentle with one another, sensitive. Forgive one another as quickly and thoroughly as God in Christ forgave you. So this section is all about the do's and don'ts of how we ought to treat our Christian brothers and sisters if we want to live in love and unity with them. And it's a section which is especially concerning our speech. But before we delve into the detail of the list, let's look at the overarching principle here. And that, I think, is a question to ask about any of our words, whether it's words to someone that we're talking to or talking about. Will what I'm about to say tend to tear down or to build up that person. 
So to give a few examples, take gossip, for, for example, the spreading of unfavorable information about someone, even if that information is true. I mean, worse still, it might only be a rumor. Um, if the gossip is negative, it can actually sort of feed our ego because it makes us feel so self-righteous in comparison. So before you open your mouth, just ask the question to yourself, will what we are about to say tend to tear down or build up that person? Or slander? Often the motive behind slander is to gain an advantage in some way over the other person. And in the secular world, it's often called backstabbing or maybe climbing the corporate ladder over other people's backs. Um, do Christians slander? Well, actually, I think we can. Um, I think we do if we ascribe wrong motives to people, even if we can't see what's in their heart or know their particular circumstances. If we maybe say a believer isn't committed if they don't do the sorts of things or indulge in the spiritual practices that we engage in. Or if we misrepresent another person's opinion on a subject, especially if it's a contentious subject, without first determining just what that person's position is. Ask that question. Will what we're about to say tend to tear down or build up that person? Or criticism. There are times when negative criticism is constructive and necessary, but there are also times when a negative comment about someone may actually be true, but it doesn't need to be said. Ask yourself the question, is it kind? Is it necessary? Will it build that person up or will it tear them down? Now, I think we can usefully watch our tongues by considering some of these negative qualities. It will go some way to creating a loving and united Christian community, that community that Paul was talking about. But the opposite qualities, the qualities in our verse today, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, I think they actually come from a deeper level within us. They come from the heart. They can't be faked. Well, at least I don't think they can. They come from a place where we ourselves are secure in the knowledge of God's love for us, the height and the breadth and the depth of it. And I think that's why Paul prayed that prayer for the Ephesians before he went on to the do's and the don'ts, that they may know the immensity of God's love for them, that they might always be growing in the knowledge of that love. Because the way that we are able to love others to treat them with the kindness and compassion and forgiveness, even they, though they might not deserve it. It's a direct consequence of knowing God's love for us, a love that we didn't deserve either. And I think it's an incredibly attractive quality in any Christian community. I recently went on a retreat for a few days to Crowhurst, a Christian center in Sussex. And one of the things that struck me really forcibly there 
was the kindness and compassion of the staff there, ministry team, cooks, cleaners alike. It was a community that really did live in love and unity with one another. The guests, uh, of whom I was one, uh, were all embraced within that community. And, and we were actually a very mixed bunch of people. We were all ages, um, different backgrounds, uh, traditions, different experiences, different reasons for being there. But the staff had a kind of genuine Christ-like love that couldn't be faked. They really cared about people. And their kindness and compassion had a welcoming, accepting, and actually implicitly forgiving quality about it that was very special. It built people up. And it made me ask myself the question, do I care for others like that? Now, if a church is just comprised of people like us, I think actually there's something seriously wrong. And it's harder to love, it's harder to build up those who are very different from ourselves. But as the staff at Crowhurst showed me last week, it can be done. So I'd like to end with a quote from Archbishop Desmond Tutu. Now, he was a man who, during the apartheid days and after in South Africa, had ample excuse to say harsh words about some of the white South African churches who had upheld an evil system. And in some cases, that he actually quoted scripture to support apartheid. It was Desmond Tutu who, in describing the South African church, called it the rainbow people of God. And he said, you don't choose your family. They are God's gift to you, as you are to them. Perhaps, if we could, we might have chosen different brothers and sisters. Fortunately, or unfortunately, we can't. We have them as they have us. So let us watch our tongues. We can hurt. We can extinguish a weak, flickering light by harsh words. It's easy to discourage. It's far too easy, all too easy to criticize to complain, to rebuke. Let's try instead to be more quick to see even a small amount of good in a person and concentrate on that. Let us be more quick to praise than to find fault. Let us be more quick to thank others than to complain. Thank you and please are small words but they are oh so powerful. My dear brothers, please be gentle with God's people. As the chairman of the Truth and Reconciliation Committee in South Africa's post-apartheid years, Desmond Tutu was engaged with the difficult practicalities of restorative justice. And out of this, he wrote a book out of his Christian faith and experience called The Book of Forgiving. I commend it to you. The difficult and often complex 
practicalities of forgiveness are beyond the scope of today. But I think the biblical imperative is clear. And as I close, I'd like to make just one observation on the subject in a quote from a German theologian, Helmut Seliker, a pastor who endured some of the darkest days of the Nazi Third Reich. And he's quoted as saying, one should never mention the words forgive and forget in the same breath. Forgiveness is not pretending the event never occurred or that it does not really matter. No, we will remember, but in forgiving, we no longer use the memory against others. The offense is real. But when we, when we forgive, the offense no longer controls our behavior. Now, we already in this service have come to say sorry to God for all the shortcomings in our own lives. And we've heard those words of forgiveness or absolution said to us that through Christ, we are forgiven people. We're about to share bread and wine together, symbols of the broken body and spilled blood of Christ, the depth of the Father's love for us, his forgiveness. So it's my prayer that as we receive Holy Communion today, as forgiven people ourselves, that we ourselves might experience afresh how wide and long, how deep and high is God's love for us. And as we more fully appreciate God's love for us, let's ask God that his love might spill into our everyday lives, our heart attitudes to one another, that we might grow in kindness and compassion, in forgiveness and in love. Amen.